Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 25th of August 2010. Newcomers, as always, I suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. You'll see hundreds of talks I've given over the past which you can download in audio form for free. And you can also remember to all these sites that you'll see listed on the front page there, you should bookmark them for future use in case there's a problem with the main comm site in the future. It happens once in a while. And remember, all those sites have transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've, I've given for print-up. And if you want transcripts in another language, you can go into alanwattsentinel.eu. That's listed on the front page of the comm site as well. And you can download for print up if you so wish. And remember, too, you're the listeners that bring me to you. You're the only guys that help me get from day to day by supporting me because I don't get paid from advertising the ads on this show. Pay the station directly for the airtime. Pays for the staff and equipment and their bills. So I ask you to help me with mine. And you can go into cuttingthreematics.com, see the books I have for sale. They're different from the other books you'll get out there because I don't go through the usual form of dry, authorized his story. And that's what stories are. It's his story, the guy that's authorized to do it. And it's always been that way, by the way. Still is today. And I show you the cons that are used down through the ages as we're controlled by the big boys at the top. Excuse my allergies today because this is what we get this time of year up here is allergy time. And remember, too, that... Um, you can purchase these books from the U.S. Uh, to Canada by using a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office. You can use PayPal for ordering or donating. If you want to order, send a separate email with your name, address, and order after the donation sent, and I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world. Remember, Western Union is still okay, but you've got to pay a hefty fee for it. It's very expensive. And MoneyGram is a runner-up to that. It's a bit cheaper, I think. <clears throat> There's also uh, cash. People send cash, and it's still accepted at the bank so far. Um, and that's about it. PayPal for donations or to order across the world. And that hopefully will help me uh, trickle by from day to day. Now, on this show, I go into... The big picture. I don't tend to concentrate just on what's happening today because I've lived from day to day all my life and knowing what's going on. And, and so have you too. You've all lived through your your daily news announcements from the media, the guys that are between you and the big boys at the top. That's the middleman, the media. That's what that means. And they give you your thoughts for the day and what you're supposed to be afraid of, what you're supposed to be uh, laughing at, and so on. The trivia as well. Uh, what's the point of just following, following it from day to day? It's like literally giving a blow-by-blow account of a boxing match 
you hit someone with the left, you hit someone with the right. And that's what you do. You follow this stuff and you get all scared like little lab rats uh, watching the guys come in with the white coats asking if are they going to stick needles in us today or going to shock us. It's the same technique that's used on the general public. Now, Professor Carl Quigley and others have gone into this uh, Royal Institute of International Affairs dash Council Foreign Relations and said that all the big boys have always been for a 100 years members the guys who own the media, members of these organizations. They own the media. That's why you have media barons. The barons go over and get knighted by the queen from pretty well every country across the planet, including the U.S. So we're run by the big boys with a big plan, and I'll be back with more of this after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. That, I like that little guitar riff, it's like wailing because you feel like howling once in a while and it's not a bad idea to go out the back and give a good howl, it gets it off your chest especially if no one else is listening, the birds don't mind up here, the animals so the world we're living in really is it's an incredible plan it's an incredible plan worked out by very rich people, the richest people on the planet a long time ago and we're going through the, the very program that they published in so many books in the late 1800s, in the early 1900s, and the early 20th century. After World War II, they, they kind of toned things back a bit because they were very blatant for their plans for the future with their big depopulation programs, their eugenic schemes. But you know something? Under this guise of terrorism and the fact they're training the public step by step who are adapting to every part of the changes, they're coming out right in our faces again with the same agenda. Now it's only a matter of convincing the public to accept the agenda. That's all they have to do now. And they they do it by the standard uh, technique they've always used. They bring on pros and cons, professors who are against something and other ones who are for something that battle out supposedly on television. It's all scripted before they get on TV. You just don't know that. Same with politics too. That's how it's always been done. Now here's an article here on this very topic. And it's from the BBC, uh, you know, the, the government station in Britain. That's who runs it. And this this particular article uh, was, uh, is about a show that was aired, I think, yesterday. And it's about eugenics. And here they go, right on, tel- right, right on Radio 4 it is, actually. And it's on a series uh, called uh, Iconclasts, uh, Series 3, Episode 1. The next episode is on Saturday, for those who can tune into it, on BBC Radio. And Radio 4, by the way, just to be precise. And it says here, today, um, BBC Radio 4, Edward Stoughton, Stoughton chairs a live debate in which Professor David Marsland defends his view that the mentally and morally unfit should be sterilized. No kidding, folks, I've been talking about this for years coming along, and it's in your face now. 
Professor David Marsland is Emeritus Scholar of Sociology and Health Sciences at Brunel University, London and Professorial Research Fellow in Sociology at the University of Buckingham. He argues that the only way to prevent the abuse and neglect of children, this is the excuse, you see, whose parents are incapable of looking after them, and that will start the ball rolling, is to stop them from being born in the first place. It should be open to police and social workers to recommend, police and social workers, to recommend that drug addicts, alcoholics, and the mentally disabled should be um, expert witnesses, including a senior social worker, a drugs charity lawyer, and a moral philosopher, um, to recommend that they should be basically sterilized. Irreversibly is a term they used. So social workers, police, and so on, will work together to get you irreversibly sterilized. And don't you believe for a single minute or instant that this is just for drug addicts or alcoholics and the mentally disabled? Do you understand under the war on terror, which is a war of terror, do you understand that with all the things that have happened to you in your whole lifetime, with your inoculations, your food and all that, and all the rest of it, with the IQs dropping, we're all mentally disabled. Do you understand what they're saying here? Do you think they'd really stick to what they say? When has a law been put on the books just for what they say it's for? It's always expanded. And these guys, these these lying SOBs, have been at this for an awful long time. This is straight out of the eugenics programs that were run uh, by Britain and the U.S. And the U.S. was run by Rockefeller they sterilized thousands and thousands of people throughout the 20th century, right into the 70s. But they want to do this across the world too, of course, and that's what they're not mentioning here. So this is for, um, it was aired yesterday, the first show. The second show is on Saturday, apparently, and you can get all the details. I'll put the link up for you to go in for the details on cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show quite something, but it doesn't surprise me because I've been watching, I've read their script. You see, you don't, have to, you don't need a crystal ball to predict what's going to happen. You just read their books your whole life long. And they haven't changed. Why would they change? It's like the articles I've read over the years about how the military itself has experimented on its own subjects in Britain and in the U.S. and in Canada and other countries for since before World War II with various uh, nerve gases, various viruses, bacterium, and so on. Continued right through to the present time, by the way. I read an article the other day about dengue fever being let loose by the military in Florida. And you think that, well, you know, that was a long time ago. You know, it was a few years ago. Really? But what's changed in the mindset of those who rule the world? What's changed? Do you think they become more what we call civilized? Who gave us the term civilized? Do you even know what it means? The Italian morality is basically fluid. They give you moralities for different generations. It's given by the culture industry. And believe you me, with these guys, these so-called experts, going through their scripted, produced argument for the, for the radio, you'll find people, ordinary folk, joining them saying, you know, maybe they're right, you know, maybe they're right. And that's how you get sucked into it. You give up. Do you understand there's legalities in all of this? The biggest legality of all is not from some judge in a court 
passing some law or referring to some law, that, that the first thing you do is acquiesce your own power to someone else. You give it up voluntarily. That's what you do. That's what you do. Natural law. Natural law. That's what it is. Now, they put out these articles always in series at the same time. And they call them themes and memes and a whole bunch of different terms that they love to use. Uh, Or trends is another thing they're using too. Because they want to get the message across from different sources at the same time. So no matter where you go, you've kind of vaguely heard it somewhere. Because everybody lives in a vague world today of little bits and bytes of information. Because you have information overload. So many are plugged in all the time walking along the street. I mean, they never have a break to think for themselves. They don't need to think for themselves. They're owned. They're owned by their bosses who gave them all this gadgetry. So they come out with all these articles at the same time. Here's another one too. And this is in the Telegraph mainstream newspaper too. Uh, Author Amanda Craig calls for two-child limit for the poor. Right? Remember what they said in eugenics and I've read their articles from the top from their own books on the air over the years. It's in the archive section at cuttingthroughmatics.com. And they've said that the poverty is an, an inherited gene. It's a bad gene. That's what they claim. That's what they claim. Yeah. It's genetic, they say. So here's an author, Amanda Craig, calls for two-child limit for the poor. Just like China, and I said for years and year after year that the United Nations claimed that China was a model state for the whole world to copy. Your wonderful United Nations the big front for the the boys who set it up and the Royal Institute of International Affairs. So they should ban poor people from having more than two children to help save the environment as well. They help save the environment, all these poor people hiding about eating things and stuff like that, you know. 25th of August, 2010. It says, while Ian Duncan Smith, the Work and Pension Secretary, that's the guy who works in government, argues with the Chancellor, another peon of government, George Osborne, over the cost of welfare reform, Amanda Craig has come up with a suggestion likely to ignite another row. Well, she was told to, right? The novelist says poor people should be banned from having more than two children because of the ecological need to limit families. Yep. I wonder how many she's got. It says Craig, who has two teenage children by her husband, Rob Cohen, an old Etonian economist says, surely this is something that the new government could look at. The benefit system, that's your welfare system, actively encourages poor people for, to have large families, which can't be good for responsible parenting for the children involved or for the environment. Those who work and pay taxes have to consider very carefully the number of children they must stop at, and they must stop it too. Why should those on benefits be any different? Craig Fifty, who was educated at Beadle's school, has written in the past about how much she would have liked a third child. To have had one when we first came, became a couple, would have been the end of her relationship, but by the time we could afford a baby, I was too old to have more than two, she said. Well, she wanted her career and all that stuff, right? So, you see, there'll be stacks of uh, these types of characters that are maybe vaguely well-known in their own countries or their own area, all told to come out with the same stuff at the same time. Because, believe you me, they all attend the same globalistic meetings. That's how they choose them. And they're told what to say. 
You know, I read from a, a book called Americans' Cultural Cold War, and it's a, a, it uses declassified information from the CIA, it's publicly available, uh, to show you how the CIA gave you and controlled the entire culture in the U.S. and Europe from the end of World War II right through, and they stop around the 70s with declassifying who's who in the culture industry. But it's amazing to see that at top of the list, the top of the list is said has always been, their favorite were always novelists. Because they picked the novelists, told them the stories to write, uh, told them to put the usual stuff in to get the people hooked on it, a little emotional human interest story, someone getting chased or whatever, and uh, make sure you get the, the real uh, points embedded in the story. They've been doing it forever. Now they do it with movies too, of course. You pay with for this weird tax money back after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back, and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, years ago, I talked about eugenics, and every it really caught on eventually with other Patriot radio stations. Eventually, it was a slow start for them because many people didn't think that what happened in the past had any pertinence to what was going on today or, or to come in the future. And uh, gradually, they all changed when I kept harping on and harping on because a lot of folk followed the lead to this show. And and now we're, we're at that stage where everything's coming true. I mentioned the fact, too, that uh, Lenin talked about um, the setting up in the West. Of course, it was all a deal with the West and, again, London, the big city of London, to set up a world empire, um, eventually combine the two systems together, where you'd have what would seem to be a, a kind of Sovietized bureaucracy with all the minions underneath it and the big capitalists on top. That's what the Rees Commission also came out with, in the United States in the 1950s when they investigated the big foundations, the parallel government that the Royal Institute of International Affairs has always worked through. And that's how you get things done. You fund them into existence by pressure groups, well-funded, full-time, pensioned even, and pension-planned uh, uh, groups. That's what you do. There are thousands of them out there. They're really run by a few and owned by a few. And... I also talked about all the the um, agencies that Lenin said would get set up in the West, uh, kind of welfare agencies to an extent too, but he also said services. He meant police services and he also meant health services, things like that, things which even child care services, they all start off as services and they seem pretty um, harmless when they first take off and they're not so intrusive, and they don't have so many rights. But he said eventually, this is Lenin talking, he said eventually these services will become authorities over the public. And he darn well knew the plan. He knew the complete plan for the whole 20th century into the 21st century. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. I've read some of the books put out by the CFR themselves, their members' copies, going as far back as the 20s and 30s. 
and they discussed the whole 20th century and the 21st century. And the wars that were to come were incidental on the way. Even before World War II happened, they were writing about it, and even a post-war world and what kind of world it would be and what, how they'd make it so. And their own meetings, world meetings. We're living through a script, as I say. They backed off a little bit after World War II because, you see, the guy who took up the eugenics banner from Britain and the U.S. was Adolf Hitler. And he went after minorities he said were unfit. And they did send out, they called it the, the, um, it was the sanitary, basically health workers out, as they called them, groups of them, to sterilize people in all the different hospitals that they claim were unfit or mentally retarded or whatever. The racial hygiene policies and so on all came into effect as well. So they backed off, but believe you me, they never stopped. And they knew, and I used to wonder about this too, how come a guy like Lenin, who was funded by the big bankers from the West, he had the best tutors that money could buy, because they, they were the guys who made the money, they literally made it, out of nothing. However, Lenin himself said eventually the, the, the state, the nation state, will wither away. And police and armies would too. And I thought, well, how on earth would that be if human nature doesn't change and we still live in a monetary type system? And that's the, that's the, it's, it's like the seed to the rats in a laboratory. They, they pull the little lever to get the seed. That's the money that we run on. The same thing, it's the seed. The rats can get so trained on it that if you put a whole bunch of uh, free seed, a pile of it, not far away, they'll still ignore it and go to the, the little lever that's supposed to pull to get a seed. We're the same. We forget. We don't need the money as they give it to us. Certainly not the, the stuff they give us and run. But, you see, they knew that with their work through technology, because they've always been so far ahead of society, way ahead of any of their media is ever going to print, because that's the media only prints what it's told to print. And the technique is to make you live in what you think is the present, but is really the past, as far as technology goes. Whenever they give you something new, it's antique. And they're using it at the top. It's the same with genetics and all the rest of it. The same with the computers. They keep showing us the same old stuff with the old computers about six feet tall with the big rolling tapes inside them and all that. Yeah, they might have had that in a lower level, but at the top level, they were way beyond that. But they knew the state would wither away because eventually no one could possibly buck the system. You'd be watched 24 hours per day everywhere you go, whatever you do by the internet of things, because everything's interfaced, you see. And that's what the kicking off of the war of terror is all about. Getting all this stuff rammed through that was ready to go. It was all set up during the Cold War with the satellites they put up there. It was put up by Reagan too under Star Wars. Nothing to do with the Russians. They knew darn well down the road the wall was coming down. They even knew the, the, the year it was coming down. The Rockefellers took a, an assembly over to talk to Gorbachev years before it and said, you, you have no choice because the whole of Europe's uniting, you see, under a common market, a new parliament. Here's, it's time now to quit. That's the real world, folks. Back with more after these messages. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. But isn't it amazing though that as I say, isn't it amazing that you can actually read this stuff? inquire into the big boys' books over many, many years of living. And uh, when other people were doing other things, I went to libraries when I got a chance, in different countries even, because it's amazing what you can turn up in the old reference sections. And here's these same characters with their same agenda, uh, publishing it in even newspapers back then, which they still had in some of the libraries in Britain. And and, and there's big, thick, well-funded uh, books that were put out there by their big foundations. The same agenda. You know, Adolf Hitler was Man of the Year by Time Life magazine twice in the 1930s. And the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations thought it was just swell to watch this new experiment, you see. They called it an experiment in socialism, a control, new controlled society, the first society that came out really with science at the top. Supposedly the Soviet Union was, was the same, an atheistic society with nothing but just science and, and logical people running the country. That was the same idea that Adolf Hitler picked up on and ran with. And he got his ways to, to, to use eugenics from the Soviets. You ought to see the Soviet story. It was, it was pretty well banned by the EU Parliament with so many objections from the, the leaders of Russia at the time. They let too much out the bag, but you've got to get a hold of it if you can, the Soviet story. And you'll see Adolf Hitler and the boys, they had to go to the Soviets when they were all pals together. They were both socialists, remember? And socialism was created by the very extremely wealthy, the big banking boys. For their world society. Far easier to ram it through that way than any other way. Where people think they have rights and they say, no, I'm not going to do that to their government. I won't do that. No, they want people to obey a government who are afraid of them. So they just simply obey. But Adolf came out with the eugenics, as I say, and he copied it right from Rockefeller's, uh, the perfected American families. You know, the genetically superior ones. And if you go through even the internet, you'll find the photographs where they published every month the, the family of the week in different U.S. states who were, were certified superior genetically in Mr. Rockefeller's big movement at the time. Same in Britain. H.G. Wells was exactly the same, the little squirt that he was. I mean, little, he really was too, a little squirt with a, a very high-pitched voice. Folk laughed at him when he, spoke, when he spoke at the Fabian Society. They couldn't stand too much of him, bursting into giggles. But he would stand up there and pontificate about how the world should be run, etc., etc. And who was he? He was the, he was the son of a drunk who, yeah, was born into the right class, but uh, hired himself out. This is how he made a living. His dad made a living uh, being a batsman in crickets. He used to hire him as a spare guy for cricket matches. His mother was a maid in a house where he was brought up. And because of this fear he had of the working class that passed his house every day on their way to the mines and the factories, 
he despised them. So they picked, see, they pick up the little fools at the bottom to do their dirty work for them and do all the hard work of night after night of writing, although he was given teams of writers to bring all this stuff through. And it's been like that with all the top novelists as well, right through the 20th century up to the present time. Do you know, in Canada, it's so socialistic here. And every country, by the way, has its Department of Culture, they call it. you got one in the U.S., one in Britain, one in Canada, one in Australia, New Zealand, etc., etc. All, all put up during World War II. They're still there today. They decide what your culture is going to be. They decide what's going to get shown on television, not because that they, they, they want to save your culture, the old culture that you had, or the present one. No, but to see if it's ready. You're, you're ready to, be, to have the envelope pushed to the next step. That's what it's all about. And most of the novelists in Canada and artists that sit and paint and do strange little welding sculptors and so on and stick people who live on grants from the government, your tax money. The nihilistic art, that was also in the, the cultural Cold War, uh, the U.S.'s um, book about the CIA. We, did, we live in a fairyland of managed make-believe. But it's very important we're all managed in the same make-believe at the same time, the same program. As I say, the state will wither away because no one with nanotechnology in their clothing, cameras everywhere, implanted chips within you, and all the rest of it, you'll be unable to do anything wrong and get away with it. And remember, what they classify as wrong is whatever they say is wrong or right at the time. And that'll keep changing too, by the way. Here's what the government says. Eh? The government's new, new rights to track your every move with global positioning satellites. Well, guess what? They've been doing that since they put them up there. But this is from uh, Yahoo. Government agents can sneak into your property in the middle of the night, put a GPS device on the bottom of your car and keep track of everywhere you go. This doesn't violate your Fourth Amendment rights because you do not have any reasonable expectation of privacy in your own driveway. And no reasonable expectation that the government isn't tracking your movements. Well, guess what, too? They put out in Britain years ago the fact that everybody who applies to be an MI5 agent is put through various tests. And one of the first ones is to plant a bug, a tracking device under someone's car that they're told to put it under without getting caught. They've been at this forever, folks. I bet you anything, and I, don't, and I really mean this, when they gave you the first Bell telephones, uh, they were already monitoring everything you were saying. I know they were certainly using it to manipulate the stock markets. These are the guys who helped fund it into being, because Bell belonged to the same club. Anyway, here they go with their GPS and so on. They don't need a search warrant. They don't need to do anything else. They just go up there and stick it on you and just watch what you're, you're doing. And says so it's a bizarre story and scary rule that applies now in California and other western states. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, which covers this vast jurisdiction, recently decided the government can monitor you in the way virtually any time it wants with no need for a search warrant. It's a dangerous decision, uh, one that, as the dissenting judges warned, that means nothing. They've got to go through this routine of warning you. That's not a legality. It could turn America into the sort of totalitarian state imagined by George Orwell. It is particularly offensive because the the judges added insult to injury with some shocking class bias. 
the little personal privacy that still exists, and that's an interesting statement, the little personal privacy that still exists, the court suggested, should belong mainly to the rich. How is that to tie in with the eugenic story? Hmm? Hmm? So, people often say, well, now that I know this, what do I do with it? Well, I'll tell you, you cannot just sit on it. You've got to start telling other people too and get enough angst, angst up, literally angst, because you should be awfully, awfully insulted at least, at the very, very least insulted with what's going on and what's already gone on. And you better understand that they mean what they say when they, they say that they're taking it right all the way to eugenics. Don't believe for an instant that, that you might not be picked on. Supposing you break some little law you don't even know exists. Supposing they say our GPS has noticed and our tracking devices have noticed and our nanotechnology has noticed that you have been j- you jaywalked ten times this year. And some social worker comes along with a cop and says, we're pulling you in for sterilization. You think I'm kidding? Most of you will. You'll laugh away. You always do. The ones that can't really want to believe it. Well, tough luck. Tough luck, eh? You know, the reason that people go to the wall during wars to get shot and they obey their captors right to the last second is because they cannot believe it's actually personally happening to them. That's why you only need a couple of soldiers and maybe a hundred or two hundred people or victims, two guys with rifles, and the people will do what they're told. There's only one in a, maybe 500 that tries to make a bolt for it because he's got a, a little chance there. He's got none at all if he goes along. But everyone believes right at the last second God or something is going to intervene because this cannot happen to me. Facial recognition, eh? Article here to Mail Online, the facial recognition software that will put a name to every photograph in the Internet. Any people who share all these free programs, oh, come and put your stuff here. It's all free, free, free. It's all for the National Security Agency. I said uh, back in 98, this is for the NSA. All these things, Google, all the rest of them, were NSA. And no one would pick up on that until recently. It's National Security Agency. They give you the appearance of competition initially. It's all BS, as they say, bothersome stuff. That's to fool you, because we're just the animals. They have anthropologists working on us all the time. Just like zoologists work with the anthropologists, by the way, and they do. And they say, that, well, we'll work with the animal, we'll work with you. And they're right. So here you go. 23rd of August, a software company is developing revolutionary software which provides the ability to identify people from photographs posted on the Internet. Well, again, guess what? They've been doing that since they gave you the darn thing and the programs to put your photographs up with. That was part of the purpose of it. I can remember talking to Canadians coming to Britain back in the 1970s and some of them showed me their photographs they were taken. These um, 
digitalized photographs that were taken while they went up to the CN Tower, the Canadian National Tower in Toronto. And at the top was this revolutionary thing that gave them this, look, this little picture made up of the binary codes, you see, the numbers. And that, it was all put together, and you could see the little zeros and ones, and it made up the face of the person. They were already digitalizing photographs back then and using them. And the people were volunteering and paying for it, thinking this is all fun. <laughs> Anthropologists and zoologists, eh? You see, if they come along and say, we, we, you, you better take this, you're a bit suspicious, I hope, I hope, you know, you're a bit suspicious. If they came along at the beginning and says, you've got to take this computer, it's mandatory, we'd all be very suspicious. But no, they call it personal computer. I went through the story of who gave the name to the personal computer. Ex-military guys, all of them, top CIA guys, who gave you rock and roll to an LSD. I've gone through that too on the programs not too long ago in the archive section. Yeah, personal. It's your personal computer. See, if you buy it, it isn't so bad, is it? But if they make you have one, you'd be, hopefully, hopefully, some of you would be a little suspicious. So the software company is developing revolutionary software which provides the ability to identify people, blah, 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 posted on the internet. Face.com has produced technology that can, yeah, they really did it themselves, eh? that can identify individuals on social networking sites and online galleries by comparing their image against a known picture of them. It means detailed profiles of individuals can be built up purely from online photographs, and critics have said it could lead to exploitation by employers. For what, that means nothing in legality either. We can complain all we want. But technically, too, whenever experts say anything to us or judges say anything to us and they warn us of what's coming or the commissioner of privacy, as, as the, the British Commonwealth countries have, when they come out and say, uh, they warn you that you're losing your privacy and your rights and all the rest of it, that means nothing either. In fact, they tell you in Canada because they have no power to do anything. They can just warn you. They're giving you legalities. You acquiesce when you do nothing about it. That's how law is built up from common law. It becomes common because you accept it over a period of time. No one complained. But they love their legalities. They do love their legalities. So, it's just one thing after another as we go. And believe you me, there will be nights and maybe a few weeks or a month or so where I could go on all night about the next gadget and gizmo to track and monitor and so on because they're rolling stuff out that they had working years and years and years ago. Same with nanotechnology. They had it long before they announced it to the public. Whenever they say we're working on something or scientists have found and publish it to the cattle down below, that's us. They've had it for years. That way you're never suspicious. You think you're on the cutting edge. Yeah, that's how you think. You're on the cutting edge. And remember what, what uh, Brzezinski said in his own book, Between Two Ages, and he worked with the NSA. In the 1970s he wrote the book and he said, he says, shortly the public will be unable to reason or think for themselves. They'll only be able to repeat their download, what they've been told by the media from the previous day when they go to work. 
They'll chat about what they've been told by the media. And he even said that they expect the media to be an extension of their brain, to do their reasoning for them. People have given up their ability to reason. They truly trust the media. They think it's a natural thing like gravity or air that you breathe. You're born into it. It's always been there. And surely the most trusted men in America or the most trusted man in Canada, Mr. Mansbridge, or whoever trusted person they give you as they keep telling you how wonderful they are, they never lie to you, those guys who talk to you at 6 o'clock at news every night. Never. And therefore, when you tell people all this stuff, they'll say, oh, I don't believe that. Surely the media would tell us. That's what. That's the first thing they'll say to you. Oh, the news guys would tell us. You're living in the biggest con beyond any science fiction movie you've ever seen. And it's gone on for an awful, awful long time. And only a few people in every generation have had the ability or the desire to track and trace it and study it. Others, sure enough, people are worrying and scurrying to work and, and, and so on as we go through ups and downs all the time with financials, financial depressions. A few years of the good time and they'll party, etc. But the rest of the time they're worrying, they're scurrying. They don't want to hear anything serious when they're off work. They, they get zonked out in booze, drugs, and sex, whatever, to get through another day the next day. But when you ask those folk, uh, do you really know what's going on in the world? They, oh, yeah, they'll tell you, because they get it all from the media, the news. And that's what they want to believe, folks. That's what they want to believe. Those folk are already gone by choice and consent. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. And talking about the the speed now, as you speed up the agenda, everything's in place across the whole world. The world's always been the goal. That's why they opened the floodgates of immigration across the entire planet and encouraged people to flood into countries that were not set up for them during times of financial depression as well. People used to shop, according to the news media, Again, the news media, but they tell you things to upset you when they want to. But they, 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 they used to see people shopping for the best countries to live in as, as refugees. And refugee status was easy to get in places like Britain. And they'd have Britain at the top for health care, welfare, and all the other things they could give them. And people would shop across Europe looking for this. And then they turn around when there's so many people there and say, Oh, look at this, there's too much, too many of you. We've got to start sterilizing you. See, they cause the problems and turn around and blame you, the victim. They make it happen, and then they blame you. And people can't figure that out. If you're after the world, and you've got countries that that don't have an excess or big population, it'd be awfully hard to make them go along with this whole world agenda if they were doing okay and there was jobs for all and all the rest of it. They've got to get everybody into it in the same mess and turn around and say, oh, look at the state you're in. You can't go on like this. Morality. Morality is flexible, as I say. It's plastic. 
to give you one morality for one generation, another for another. Remember what they said to Julian Huxley, the brother of Aldous? He says, the first UN CEO of UNESCO, he said, we've got to drop man from his pedestal, teach him that he's just an animal. And they'll do it by training the children in the school. And eventually they'll be able to basically, uh, and he said basically they could rut right like rabbits with sex, free sex everywhere, but no offspring. That was the key. There would be no offspring. And they'd play themselves into this new society without knowing what was going on. Morality is modified in the lab. This came out in March. I read it before. But it's worthwhile reading it again, BBC News. Scientists have shown they can change people's moral judgments by disrupting a specific area of the brain with magnetic pulses. Think of your cell phone when I'm reading this. They identified a region in the brain just above and behind the right ear, right ear, eh? which appears to control morality. By using magnetic pulses to block cell activity, the impaired volunteer's notion of right and wrong. So simply, mind you, uh, Mr. Persinger here in Canada, professor at Laurentian University, ex-CIA guy, because he worked for them for a while with their big military boys. I'm sure he still is actually doing the same thing, doing experiments in neuroscience, as they call it. Used the, the, the Corbin helmet years ago, I think in the 60s and 70s, they had the Corbin helmet. They could put it on you and give you a trip, very much like, a, like an acid trip or a cannabis trip. Same thing by putting little pulses into your brain. Old stuff, but they put it into your cell phones, of course. And it's so convenient to have a cell phone, isn't it? And everyone's got one. What's wrong with you? And so, they say, impairs the notion of right and wrong. The small Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where else, folks? Big Pentagon facility. Study appears in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Lead researcher Dr. Lane Young said... You think of morality as being a really high-level behavior to be able to apply a magnetic field to a specific brain region and change people's moral judgments is really astonishing, says this liar. I call him a liar because they knew this years ago, as I said. Study after study done with classes of students, one after another, for years, 30-odd years, 40 years. Of course they knew it worked. But I'll put these articles at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, these links. Read them for yourself at the end of the show. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>